Jenny Waka. I'm back to talk uh, more about the occupation and anti-occupation Jews with Seth, who just got back from his birthright trip. How's it going, Seth? It's pretty good. How about you? Good. So how long have you been back now? Uh, I got back in late June, so it's been a little over a month. Okay. And how's being back treating you? Uh, being back is good. You know, I'm just uh, enjoying my summer. Uh, I have definitely done a lot of uh, reflecting, I guess, on my time in, in the Holy Land. <laughs> The Holy Land. Okay. Uh, great. So, I don't even know where to start. Um, well, maybe we can start by just talking about your experience leading up to Birthright. Uh, you know, packing, uh, airport time. <laughs> I remember that being particularly interesting on my birthday. Sure. I uh, I went with, uh, with my best friend from Hebrew school, uh, which was really nice. All right. Yeah, uh, especially because she's also sort of skeptical about uh, the Israeli government and everything. So it was nice to have uh, somebody to sort of talk about those feelings with during the trip. But uh, I, I definitely underpacked uh, uh, sort of everyone else on the trip, whereas these maybe sort of wealthier uh, people from the, the north suburbs of Chicago that uh, had had a little bit more in the way of suitcases and stuff than I did. So right away, I sort of noticed uh, there was a the people going on the trip were, were of a certain class level. And uh, I don't know, I just started to think that maybe other people who maybe weren't these the, the sons and daughters of these titans of industry were, were maybe boycotting this trip. Perhaps. Uh, the second time I went on a trip to Israel, someone showed up to the airport with all of his stuff in a trash bag <laughs> and was pulled aside by security. Actually, he and I were the two people pulled aside by security for a very thorough, very personal search. Um, and he did not end up being allowed on the airplane for a reason I couldn't quite distinguish, except for that he was a little weird and everything he had was in a trash bag. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so you flew out of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And did you have any interesting airport security experiences? Uh, not really, uh... On the way in, it was it was all pretty standard. I, I had read some stories about people uh, protesting the birthright groups as they came to the airport, uh, but we flew out really early in the morning, so there's uh, nothing like that. It already in the airport, I could see sort of like a social hierarchy, I guess, of the of the other uh, forty or so people that were going on the trip starting to happen. So that that was sort of interesting to see. Huh? What do you mean, people are like? Clicking up, basically. Yeah, I think it was it was just pretty clear to seeing the people just in the airport, like they were sort of there for for social reasons and to have a fun trip. But it wasn't uh, maybe something of like religious significance or anything like that. It sort of it sort of felt like high school. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, the reason that I'm asking all this is because when I went on birthright, and I'm not sure if I shared this with you last time, but I don't remember so eh. every time i've been to israel i've had like very intensive experiences with el al's like airline security mm -hmm. and when i went on birthright i was flying out of newark and i went through regular airport security and then there was this like special birthright line and el al airline staff uh asked us questions 
Additionally, which were things like, can you recite a prayer in Hebrew? What synagogue does your family go to? Um, I was specifically asked what synagogue my grandmother goes to. Um, and if you were unable to, for instance, speak in Hebrew, they would pull you aside for additional more intensive searching, which is what happened to me. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I think they asked one girl on the way out if, if I think they asked her uh, if she knew what Passover was. But other than that, we didn't we didn't have anything like that. That's that's insane. Yeah, it was really weird because I was like, is this legal? Like, we're already in the airport. I already passed security. And now I'm going through security round two. Very strange. Um, anyways, so you get on the airplane. Uh, you're flying for, what, 12 hours. Um, yeah, about. Who else was on the airplane? There was a couple Hasidic Jews uh, who I noticed didn't sit the entire flight. I, I don't know if that's... That's specific to 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 any group, but uh, I just noticed that there was like three or four uh, Hasidic people that just uh, paced the airplane the the entire uh, ten or so hours and only stopped to sleep, which I noticed. But uh, I guess I've not extrapolated anything uh, more meaningful from that. Uh, and then I watched yeah. about four movies, which was fun. Cool. Gotta love movies. <laughs> um. So no, like hordes of. 13-year-old boys on this airplane. Unfortunately, no. Singing songs. It, uh, fortunately, no. Yeah. <laughs> singing songs for the full length of the flight. Very uh, excited. No, I, I did not have uh, the privilege of hearing the 13-year-old sing the entire time. Oh, wow. It sounds like a dream airplane flight. Okay. <laughs> uh, compared to mine. <laughs> so you landed on the ground in Israel, right? Mm -hmm. And... How did things go from there? Uh, it went all right. Uh, we got off. Uh, there was a couple other birthright groups, I think, also on our flight. So we sort of divided into our groups and then uh, got onto the bus in Tel Aviv and exchanged our money, uh, which I think they gave us kind of a bad conversion rate. Uh, but I, I could also be making that up. Um, Wait, what makes you think that? I don't know. I, I went and had money converted at other places and the conversion rate was a little bit different, but I could also be misremembered. Oh, wait, did you get, did you convert your money in the airport? No, on the bus uh, in Tel Aviv. The, like... Wait, why would they do it on the... Okay, yes. Yeah, it was very confusing. Uh, but okay. Then we drove from Tel Aviv to, uh, like, a sort of a motel near the near the Golan Heights. Uh, and then we were uh, in these cabins. But it was right by uh, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and mm. then we did some get to know you exercises and with the soldiers who uh all of which met us at the airport in their uniforms and then i, I was talking to one of them later and and she said oh i never wear this uniform like the, we, they just had us wear them because they thought it'd be exciting for you guys huh what did you think about that uh it it was i, I thought what was sort of interesting was how the soldiers uh were taught were told about the trip it was they one of them said it was sort of a reward for being a good soldier if you got to go on the group and then eventually i just asked one of them so like what do they what do they tell you when you you get to go on this trip like what do the soldiers who have done it already tell you and he's just basically like oh you get to have sex with all the americans <laughs> i mean he wasn't wrong <laughs> it's not a secret <laughs> um so how did the the other youth on the trip like american 
Team America, we're going to call them. Sure. Um, how did the folks that you were on the trip with react to the soldiers? Uh, they were pretty immediately uh, infatuated with them. Uh, it, you know, they're just, they're around your age, but they're sort of in, in, doing something very different than what you're doing. And then uh, uh, I... Yeah, there was a lot of sort of hero worship, I guess. Uh, there was only a couple people on the trip that were that were super into Israeli politics, and uh, but the ones that were really into the IDF made sure that everyone else on the trip knew lots about it, and uh, so it was sort of it was sort of wait, they were like really into the IDF specifically. Yeah, like as I guess in Israel in general, but a couple of them were just really knew about like IDF history and were were just into the IDF as as an institution, I guess. It was sort of like a like a fandom. It reminded me of, of being like thirteen, being really into Doctor Who, but it was about uh, the nation of Israel. That's fucked up. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so they love the idea. Um, do you ask them? Like, did they seem to be into American politics at all, or were they like, uh, kind of on? Uh, I guess as much as any other like college student, but it definitely seemed like they were sort of hyper focused on Israel. Uh, one guy explain to me why why jared kushner is the best thing for american jews but that's oh why is jared kushner the best thing for american jews uh i guess his argument is because it has a jew really close to the president also they all all the israelis love donald trump which i i was not expecting but they were really yeah what tell me more uh Apparently, he well. There's the the Tel Aviv stuff, like moving the embassy from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, which most Israelis just sort of didn't care about. But Trump no, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Um, yeah. And uh, but uh, Trump like secured uh, some some deal that that makes the Golan more a part of Israel, this area uh, to the north. And Trump like officially acknowledged that this was undisputedly Israeli land. And then uh, I thought this was funny. He gave Netanyahu a map of Israel in, that he signed, and he circled the Golan Heights and just wrote "nice." Uh, so they're they're named <laughs> nice, nice, and uh, uh, they're naming a city after Trump in the Golan now. <gasps> what the fuck? Yeah. So where? Uh, I don't. Is it one of these like new cities that's being built, or was it like? Yeah, it's like they're building a – now that they officially have the Golan, I guess, they're doing a whole bunch of new development. And one of them is going to be like Trump Trump City, I guess. Great. Um, and the Golan was uh, taken from Syria in the 1967 war, right? <laughs> I think so. I'll take your word for it. I want to say 67. But definitely was, quote-unquote, one – from Syria and is um, definitely still disputed territory. There were a bunch of like bombs in the ground, like explosives. What do you call those? Landmines. Yeah. Yeah. There were a bunch of landmines in the Golan when I was last there. Is that still the case? Uh, they they told us yeah they we went on like a hike uh, there and they said do not go off the trail because there are still landmines that are that are unaccounted for. Cool. Yeah, Exciting. That, How? What? Where did you hike? Uh, just around the Golan, I guess. I don't know the sort of in that Sea of Galilee uh, area. Uh, but the hike was was really nice. Uh, but that is when we started to hear some of the racial comments from the soldiers. Uh, like there was one point where we we were overlooking Jordan, 
and it was sort of a grassy area. And he said, you see where the grassy area starts to, to get barren? And he said, that's because all the stupid Arabs let their sheep go and, and eat all the grass in their country. So that was the first, the, sort of, the first sort of bit of racial animus we got was on the hike. And how did the did that affect people's infatuation with the IDF at all? Or do people just sort of glaze over it? Uh, yeah, sort of people didn't really care. They'd agree with them. They'd be like, yeah, the, the stupid Arabs. Uh, but it was just, I don't know. It was, these were all these like sort of college educated, uh, liberal artsy uh, people. A lot of them uh, go to school in, in the city with me. And they were just sort of fine with this really casual racism that I, I don't think they would be if they heard it in America. So I thought it was just very, very strange. Huh. That is very strange. So what else uh, did you find were themes along the trip, things that you were learning that they wanted you to learn, things you were learning they didn't want you to learn? Um, uh, it was, uh, I, I think, just the way the trip is is structured. Uh is very strange. Like they have you go to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, and then immediately afterwards you go to uh, an, an Israeli military cemetery. Uh, you can only be buried yes. there if you were active duty in the military at the time you died. And it was, I think they were really trying to paint this picture of there was the Holocaust, which was bad, and now there's Israel, which made it good, uh, but then people still sacrifice for Israel. And they sort of made it more of this through line that I didn't really see how these sort of European Jews were connected to like a, a state that didn't exist at the time of their death. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was very strange how uh, we went immediately from the museum to the cemetery. You know, I think that we did that as well. And I never really thought about it. Uh, it was, there was one part that was sort of disturbing to me is uh, my, my friend who was with, she was at the, the Holocaust Museum, and she was very like affected as as you know as you would be at, at something like that, and she was sort of crying. And then one of the uh, one of the other girls who was very into the IDF stuff just sort of uh, hugged her, and, and, and it was very nice. But then she just goes, "Oh, it's all okay now. Look where we are. It's it's all fine now." Uh, so I, I, I just uh, thought that was sort of strange. Yeah, that's wild. Um, so. You came in. Did you have any sort of classroom time on this trip, or was it all go, 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 tourist site, tourist site, tourist site? Yeah, we had a couple of, like, little lectures and stuff. Um, we had the Neil Lazarus guy come in and, and talk to us, right. and he said nothing. It was really astounding how he could talk for an hour without really saying anything. Uh, and then we just would have... We did uh, we did Shabbat, but we didn't go to services or anything. We did, it was just sort of us, like as a group, uh, lighting a candle and saying what we were thankful for, which I don't really associate with Shabbat, but, but I don't. Know. Uh, and then we sort of had talks about our feelings about Israel, but they it was very guided to make sure it was not too controversial or anything. Like they asked us questions, like can um, you give some examples of that, like more specific? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Can you give some more, like, specific examples of that? Sure. Like, they asked us, um, do you think that the IDF should protect Jews in other countries? Or sort of, I don't know, questions that sort of pre presuppose that we are already l agreed with the, the Zionist project, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but our, um, yeah, I, I'm just trying to, I guess, think of other disturbing things I heard. Um there was one point where we were uh, in the in the Negev in the in the big desert in the south, 
and there were we passed all these uh these like shanty towns they were just sort of shacks built in the middle of the desert uh and then there's people with, with goats sort of milling around outside and we're on a bus and one of the americans asks one of the israeli soldiers um what are these people doing out here like why are they living in shacks in in the desert uh and the soldier, she, she goes, what people? What are you talking about? And he goes, over there in the shack. And she goes, there are no people here. Like, it's the middle of the desert. What are you talking about? And he goes, no, like, right outside the bus. I can see them. There's there's people. There's a little kid right there. And she goes, oh, you mean them? Well, th- well they're Arabs. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, Sorry, I'll- that's just my tagline, I guess. But that's so disturbing. Yeah, and then uh, no one, no one really commented on it at all. They were just like, "Oh, okay." Did you talk with any of the other people on the trip about this sort of discontinuity in logic? A little bit. I definitely, in private, talked to my friend about it, um, who who was a lot more courageous than I was about about sort of calling people stuff out on uh, out on stuff like that. Um, but I sort of tried to talk about like my issues with it, but uh, most of the people didn't want to hear it. Like the people, most of the people were just there to like drink and stuff, uh, and they didn't really want to talk about politics. And then the other people were just super IDF people and really just did not want to hear it. Uh, but I sort of tried to broach the subject and didn't really get anywhere uh, substantive. Okay, I know that you were really nervous about whether you we're going to ask challenging questions or just sort of let things slide on this trip. What did you end up doing? Uh, I, I think I, I asked questions when I heard pretty disturbing stuff. There was one point where we were at the soda stream factory for some reason. Uh, and, and like uh, we, the, the woman who's just presenting uh, like just commercials, I guess for, for soda stream to us in, in like this little amphitheater. And she did a Q and a at the end. And she made this big deal about how uh, it was like a place where Israelis and Palestinians were working together and all that and how they were doing this courageous thing by having Israeli flags on all the boxes. And then she mentioned that uh, they were bought out by PepsiCo recently and that, uh, you know, they have another guaranteed 15 years here in Israel. Uh, And then people ask stuff like, uh, well, are there any Palestinians in uh, above just like the factory level who are in upper management? And she said, not yet, very enthusiastically. And then uh, somebody asked, how much do people get paid? And she just flat out refused to answer that. Uh, so that was, I, I think the... Uh, did she like circle around or did she just say, I'm not going to answer that? She was just like, we're not allowed to discuss that. I mean, I assume they took you there because they see BDS as a threat. Sure. And yeah. so to stream is one of the targets of BDS. Um, and so, of course... You know, yeah, people uh, want to throw their support behind this private company because it's a target of boycotting. I see the same thing with Airbnb, which is such a weird conflict uh, because Airbnb is in a lot of ways responsible for, um, you know, increasing gentrification, especially in like lower income or mid-income neighborhoods for instance in new orleans mm-hmm. um where basically people will buy out houses that could be used for families to live in and then they'll sit empty most of the time except when there's you know someone renting it for airbnb purposes um 
and of course Airbnb had some uh some places in the occupied territories and there was that whole big dispute about it and people were boycotting Airbnb because of BDS and then people were like, but we love Airbnb and it's it's so funny how these private companies are benefiting from right from from this from this struggle that's been going for so long but if you if you can yeah. sell a soda stream out of it it's all worth it you can sell a soda stream so did they tell you um was anything said about the like tech achievements of israel broadly so i feel like that's a common theme on these sorts of trips not really actually uh they didn't they sort of vaguely mentioned it a couple times when we were in tel aviv like oh and the most there's this booming tech sector but uh most of it was i i, I was just sort of astounded sort of how little they told us about anything really like our guides it was very clearly i don't know just like we have to sit through the presentations like you go and you and you meet the uh, and you go to the museum or whatever, but then, you know, as soon as after dinner, then you can have the real fun, which is, which is drinking and stuff. Uh, and the guides sort of also felt that way. Uh, it, it sort of felt like they didn't really care too much about talking about politics or anything. Uh, and the, and the kids on the trip certainly didn't either. It was, it was just sort of a fun party times. And were you, um, you're on the 18 to 26 trip. Uh, 18 to 22, I think, was mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, so did they ban you from going out at night? No. Uh, there was, like, two nights that they were like, this is your night out. Uh, there was one in Tel Aviv and one in Jerusalem. They're like, okay, you're allowed to go out and go to the bars and stuff. But they're not really monitoring you at all when you're in the hotel. So that was people just sort of go out yeah. uh, every night. Go out and have fun. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, when I was on Birthright, it was very much like, you can buy alcohol and bring it back to the hotel, but um, we will kick you off the trip if you leave hotel premises um, after dark or whatever. Oh, huh. and, uh, and there was one night that we were allowed to go out. It was our, like, you know, big night out or whatever. And they took us to a, a bar that was like, mm, it was fine. And then we had to go home at midnight. Yeah. Which is probably a good idea because all of these like 18 year olds were completely wasted, but. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. Our um, night out ended at 11. It ended at 11? Uh, th oh, there was, there was controversy among, <laughs> among the group. Oh, tell me about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was very weird, I guess, the, just the, the social dynamics of it all because it's sort of, uh, just like, it just sort of like, I don't know, it felt like, a lot like high school and it was just people sort of like in this group of people around your own age and there's not a whole lot of supervision so they're they're trying to get laid and everything which, which is fine but then against this backdrop of just like i don't know sort of a, an apartheid state uh and it was just very <laughs> bizarre and also this, this is you know this uh, for everything you know israel has done i, I think the most atrocious thing is that the, they're allowed to cut in line there there's just this culture of line cutting that I cannot permit uh, as, as, <laughs> as a law and order loving American. Uh, right. And uh, this, this is just a personal grievance. But we were at 
like a like a garden somewhere that it was like a, a little like display garden in somewhere in, in the desert to show off like look we can we can grow plants in the desert and then afterwards you could like buy a sandwich at a little cafe and all the americans are waiting in line for their sandwiches and two israeli soldiers come and cut the line so i turn to our american guide and i they say what what the fuck why are they allowed to cut in line and she goes oh i know that's so israeli isn't it and i say no it's not it's just being an asshole uh and i don't think she liked that <laughs> comment very much <laughs> uh, yeah wait your turn damn that's so rude it's very um, yeah, they're, they're a rude bunch of folks i think is what i sort of noticed at least among the people in our group huh i mean maybe i'm making a cultural judgment about whether people should stand in line or just go and get the thing they want um but if everyone else is standing in line i feel like come on i'm, I'm um, for line not line cutting all scenarios that's i think that's the extent of the colonialism i'm willing to do but i'm i'm firmly pro line really i feel like sometimes you don't like i feel like it's okay to have a cluster at times People just stand in line forever. It seems like a waste of time. Um, Okay, so I'm going to call it. We're going to take a break and then come back and play a little bit of uh, Birthright Bingo. Sure. I'm going to fire off something, and you're going to tell me whether you did or did not experience it on Birthright. All right, sounds good. All right, we'll be back. Are you back and ready to play Birthright Bingo? Yep. And by play, I mean uh, design, (laughs) co-design. All right. Um, Because while I have sourced some of these from the internet, um, I hope that you will help me source a couple more so we can release the official wedge Birthright Bingo. All right. Starting out with some of the predictions that I had made before you left for the trip. First or second word out of your guide's mouth when you get on the bus is welcome home. Uh, Yep, I think we did get that one. All right, welcome home. Check. You will feel tempted by or persuaded at some point during the trip. Tempted or persuaded to do what? Just in general? Oh, no. Um, To sort of fall in line with the Israel is great, I should make Aliyah ideology. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think... It would have been very uncomfortable uh, at any point if I if I said anything like to the larger group that was that was anti uh, Israel or going on Aliyah. Did you feel at any point genuinely like, well, I don't know, maybe I could live here, maybe I could do this? No, I real I was really sort of shocked by how many people did though, um, especially at the military cemetery, like two or three people came up to, to me of all people and were like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm thinking about thinking about joining the IDF, making it happen. Were these people that were would have thought that going into the trip? I, I really one person that I thought it was just um it it, it was this girl that was uh like from, you know, a, a pretty wealthy family in the in the suburbs and like going to start college the next year. And uh, and she had told me before that she really didn't care about uh, politics because I'm a, I'm a poli sci major. So she was like, "Oh, what's your major?" And I said, oh, "I'm political science." She's like, oh, "I really don't care about about politics at all. I just try to to try to stay out of stuff like that." So it was really strange to me when uh, someone who who didn't care about who at least claimed not to care about politics at all was like, "Yeah, I think I'll, I'll join this army for a couple of years." 
Oh my god. Okay, so uh, another one was several members of your trip will make Alia join the IDF. I don't know if anyone's actually going to. Uh, one girl said she was going to move there uh, for like a semester to do some study abroad thing. Uh, and then wants to like stay there afterwards, but I don't. And then a couple people said they want to join the IDF. Uh, I don't know if anyone's actually going to do it though. It, they did not seem like like maybe the type that would actually do the that. Through type. Yeah. Did anyone extend their trip? Yeah, about uh, I think over half of the people extended. Okay, I think that was on the list too, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, uncomfortable sexual tension in the Bedouin tent. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it it was. Uh, it was palpably uncomfortable. Uh, I went to bed really early that night because I knew there was going to be shenanigans and it was, it was not a pleasant time. (laughs) Uh, just like a side note, I found that the whole like visiting, visiting the quote unquote Bedouin village experience was perhaps the most racist and essentializing part of the trip. Yeah. Um, how was that for you? Uh, the Bedouin stuff was was really bizarre. What I thought was even worse is, I don't know if they did this for you, but did you meet with the Ethiopian Jews? Oh, just one? They got one? Uh, no, it was like no. three or four. It was like a, a little, it was like a garden plot with some like traditional uh, like Ethiopian uh, like, like houses and stuff. And it was uh, for like the elderly Ethiopian Jews in the community. They could come there and garden and, and hang out in the traditional houses and stuff. They gave us a little tour of that. Uh, do you guys do that at all? No. Tell me more about it. Uh, it was it was sort of it was sort of like a basic like museumy thing. They just sort of talked about the Ethiopians going through Egypt in the eighties and the, uh, to get to Israel. And then I, I was talking to one of the soldiers afterwards about uh, just what he what he thought about like if he knew any Ethiopian Jews outside of this. And he was just like, oh, I don't really know anyone, but it's so interesting how they're they're so primitive, but they live in our country. <gasps> oh, that's bad. That so that was that was a bummer. Uh, and also, they sort of wouldn't stop. My group wouldn't stop talking while the Ethiopian people were like explaining cultural stuff, which I thought was, I guess, sort of rude. like it's fifty people. Uh, so I guess it's sort of hard to keep everybody quiet. But I was like, really, guys, we can't do we can't do five minutes to let this person like you know, tell the sort of horrific story about them having to, to travel thousands of miles to get here. I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of sad. Yeah. Wow. What the hell? Um, okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to give you a quote All right. and you tell me if you heard someone say this or something shockingly close to this on your, um, on your trip. Sure. We all need to make compromises. Uh, I think Neil Lazarus said that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Zero conversation about the wall. Even when you can visibly see the wall. Uh, The western wall or the wall between the the strip? Oh, the, the, the border wall. Obviously, there was probably some conversation about the Western Wall. <laughs> uh, there was. We never actually got close enough to the Strip to see it. Uh, we were in that region, but we stayed pretty far away. I think the Bedouin tents might have been the closest we got, or, or maybe the Soda Stream Factory actually. But uh, yeah, we never could actually see it. Huh. Okay. Um, 
gay rights. Yeah, this was this. I actually thought this was super interesting. I didn't know anything about this going in. Uh, but you you go into Tel Aviv, and, and we went in June, so it's Pride Month, and there are all the the Pride flags and stuff out. So I was like, oh, you know, just any other like metropolitan city, you know, it's 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 okay, you know, it's it's acceptable to be gay here. But then one night, uh, I, I was talking to my bartender who was gay, and he said when he was in the army, he wasn't allowed to do certain jobs because he was gay. Like he couldn't do any combat stuff, uh, and had to do. Uh, just like office work and stuff, because they don't let let gay men do do all the jobs in the army. So I so I don't know. I thought that was what? super interesting. Is that still the case? I don't know. He was a pretty young guy, but he said, uh, at least so when it he was in have the been army, like an AIDS crisis. Yeah, no, he he was he was under thirty, I would say. Huh. So I don't know if that's like an institutional policy or that was just that guy's like individual experience. But yeah, it was super different from anything I had, I had like I had sort of heard about. Uh, you know, Tel Aviv, oh, it's the only place you're allowed to be to be gay in the Middle East or Israel in general. And um, I didn't hear any, like, specific animus about it from anybody. But, uh, yeah, at least that guy was like, no, I did I did not have a good time being gay in the IDF. I mean, I imagine. Yeah. I, it seems like it would be hard to have a good time in the IDF. <laughs> sure, yeah. Period. Um, okay. Quote, from the ashes of the Holocaust... Uh, we did not get that one directly, but I guess uh, when we went to the museum, that was that was the pretty clear implication. Uh, hungover trip member throws up. Yeah, uh, we, we had a lot of that. Uh, we had, I don't know, did you guys have to get up like, I don't think there was a single day we were not forced to get up before like 7 a.m. So, oh, God, it was people were not uh, running on a whole lot of sleep. Uh, speaking of getting up really early, climbing Masada at dawn. Yeah, we did that. Uh, which I, I don't know. I kind I kind of like the hikes, but everyone was, was pretty grumpy and hungover about that. <laughs> um, I liked the hikes too. I liked climbing Masada, although I thought that the the story was really ideology laden in a way I couldn't parse. Um, yeah. Well, didn't they? They told us that they like late like. After, I guess sometime uh, after Israel was established, they like f- exhumed the bodies and gave them state funerals. Huh. Didn't know that. Uh, which I think is maybe archaeologically suspect, but uh, I, I guess I'll take the word for it. It happens. Yeah. Okay. Uh, floating in the Dead Sea. Yeah, we did that. Uh, people had a lot significant of- Significant conversation about the uh, environmental impacts currently happening on the Dead Sea, but- no information about the like land disputes uh they didn't talk to us about the uh the environment at all they were just like go go have fun at the beach for an hour oh wow you're this trip sounds like it was actually fairly uh content free yeah like they were trying to distract you in israel for 10 days our our trip leaders were pretty young like they had just graduated from college uh, and whenever I think they had to act, like talk to us directly about politics, they would like when we did the little activities, but it was pretty clear that they didn't really, well, one of our trip leaders actually works for APAC. Um, Whoa. but, uh, he didn't really want to talk about it too much. He was just like, oh, you know, I'm just uh, trying to have a good time. All right. Um, did you talk to a Palestinian person? No, I do not think we met any palestinian people uh i think the only even 
Muslim person we met was was in the Bedouin tents. Yeah. Okay. So that is the end of my list, but I I think we should spend some time coming up with additional birthright bingo items for future lists for sure. future future attendees. Uh gosh. Uh one of the soldiers says something uh well, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about how I can make this into a, a bingo. One of the soldiers said something to the effect of, uh, well, you know, Muslim women wear the headscarf, so you have something to grab when you bash their head in. So <gasps> I don't, one of the soldiers says something what? violent, I guess. Yeah. And then nobody said anything about, about that. No one said anything about grab a woman's hijab and bash her head? Uh, someone laughed. Uh, the girl he was sleeping, the American girl he was sleeping with laughed at, at that, which I thought was, was very disturbing. Oh my god. Okay, so, uh, soldier says something violent? Yeah. Or soldier's violent comment ignored? Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's, I think those would both come up a lot. Uh, uh, the idea that Israel offers aid to Palestine, but they refuse to accept it. Yeah, that was something that uh, Neil Lazarus brought up. I, I, I'm starting to realize that really all the political stuff was from just that like hour we had with Neil Lazarus. Our guys really were not about it. Uh, but yeah, he said mm. he made some reference to the the Palestinians foolheartedly not accepting uh, monetary donations for whatever reason. Was there anyone on the trip that asked questions that were? They ask challenging questions. It was not like you or your friend. Not real. I think or we like went. Who seemed to feel uncomfortable. One of the Israelis asked him what party he voted for, uh, and he and he, he had some whatever snappy remark. He's like, "Oh, the fact that you asked that make, means I'm doing my job." But uh, other than that, no one really asked him anything that I thought was was particularly like challenging. I I am so stuck up on that like. Grab her head scarf thing. That's so fucked up. Um, yeah. Did you have a sense of where the soldiers you were with were stationed? Yeah. Uh, one, the one, the guy who said that was uh, part of the the missile defense program, and he said he just traveled around and did stuff from that. But also used to be, you know, more combat heavy role. I think somewhere on the West Bank, and then. Uh, one of the other soldiers, she her job was to uh, sound the alarms for the for the Iron Dome program, uh, and they talked a lot about that. But then I think most of the rest of them just did sort of uh, office work and stuff. Oh wow, we had I'm pretty sure some like boots on the ground soldiers on my trip. Um, did you have an armed guard? Yeah, we had. Oh, he was a very weird dude. Uh, <laughs> he like would talk during the presentations. And then one of our group leaders, like very sort of politely was like, Oh, could you, could you not talk during the presentations? You know, it's kind of rude to the people presenting. And he just goes like, I'm, I'm here to make sure nobody gets killed. I'm going to talk if I want. <laughs> I mean, all right, bud, <laughs> I guess. He, he was a, a very weird dude. Uh, okay. This is my last one. Uh, guide calls the West bank Judea and Samaria. No, we didn't eat ever even talk about the West Bank in one way or the other. Did the guide ever say West Bank or Gaza out of curiosity? I, I'm sure she must have, right? Like, it's a it's a little country. You got to sort of acknowledge it, but not in a way that I remember being significant at all. Uh, I think she referenced giving aid 
to people from Jordan, but I don't think our, our Israeli guide ever mentioned Palestinians one way or the other. Wow. Did they mention like Arabs and role Palestinians into that? They talked a lot about not so much the guy, but just the soldiers talked a lot about Arabs. Like on, on the first day I sort of, I guess naively asked one of the soldiers if he, if he spoke any Arabic and he said something to the effect of like, Oh, just enough to arrest people. Uh, but yeah, they sort of, they sort of said Arabs in a way that, that made you understand they, they were not big fans. Huh. Um, did you, this is my last one. Sure. Um, did you learn curse words in Hebrew? Uh, oh gosh, I guess I could have, I missed my chance. They, they said gala a lot. Uh, but I, I never. Gala is not a curse word. I know uh, the the way they said it, I was pretty, but no, but uh, no, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wow. I learned to say some choice curse words in Hebrew, and what I learned is that uh, modern Hebrew doesn't really have its own curse words. Uh, oh. It borrows most of its curse words from Arabic. Huh. So I I learned to say um, some real charming things in in Arabic uh, <laughs> while on birthright. There you go. Um, your mom's cunt. <laughs> I'm sure that one so came gonna, up a lot. You know, I have had occasion to use it several times. <laughs> it's pretty fun because people do not expect it to come out of my mouth. Um, and it's highly offensive. What more could you ask for? <laughs> huh? What more could you ask for? I mean, that's that's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me again, Seth. Yeah, do of you course. have anything that you want to add as a final thought? Um yeah, let's start with that. Uh, sure. I think I was sort of my main impression from the trip was just thinking like, wow, there's sort of a lot of people here that seem like they came from a lot more money than I did and were sort of interested in really different things. Like there's a lot of people that were sort of into like fraternity culture on their campuses and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. When I think about American Jews, I think about maybe, I guess, these other sort of uh, people that are sort of political or, or, or bookish or whatever. And there's like, why, why aren't these people that I sort of associate with like the Jews I went to Hebrew school with on this trip? And then I realized, uh, maybe a lot of them are boycotting it. So, uh, <laughs> I guess keep that in mind if you're, if you're deciding whether or not to go. Yeah. One of the young women on my birthright trip though, uh, told me that her father would disown her if she, she was like a real, like, southern bell type that her father would disown her if she ever brought a black man home oh jeez! and was like and she's like you know he's not racist and i was like i don't know sounds like your dad's racist <laughs> <laughs> like i don't i don't want to tell you sounds like you might be racist too <laughs> i'm sure that went yeah. over really well there was also a lot of people who had a like boyfriend or girlfriend back home and that did not seem to stop them from uh Trying to make out with or sleep with, oh yeah, lots of Israelis. There, I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot of really sad people <laughs> once they once they get off this trip, or a lot of people that are, are being lied to. I guess. <laughs> okay, so what's your head count for cheaters on your trip? God, I I was so me and my friend uh, both had significant others back home, so there was sort of just a lot of the trip. Since just about drinking was about just sort of people hooking up, and I think we both sort of felt like, uh, what are we what are we supposed to do while everybody's off off doing this but uh i I don't have an exact measurement but but a lot i'll say 
What's your what's your over under? Give me a guesstimate. I'm gonna guess maybe a quarter of the people there. Like sort oh of. Oh my a, god. Maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating after the fact, but I was sort of stricken by like oh oh the this is just summer camp I guess. Um. So the hotel that my birthright trip stayed at in Jerusalem. Two really horrifying things happened in this hotel. Oh. Um. So the first night we were there. I believe we were there for two nights. The first night we were there, there was a wedding and some guests from the wedding got drunk and got into like a fist fight and one punched the other one and broke his nose. And then there was blood splatter all over the patio by the pool and the staff at the hotel did not wash it off. So there was blood splatter there for like two or three days while we were there. Okay, so that was thing one that happened. Uh, thing two that, and it was a significant amount of blood. <laughs> just said. Um, thing two that happened was we were all up on the rooftop having a good time and uh, drinking and hanging out and talking, and we were too loud, uh, and so the um. The hotel folks came up and said, like, you need to take this down into the lobby. You're too loud right now. And so we're like, okay. Um, So we all pile into the elevator. And there were nine people in this elevator, um, including our armed guard who had checked his weapon at the door at at the hotel lobby and just, like, did not carry it with him around Jerusalem at all. Um... Anyway, so this elevator gets stuck, and we have nine very drunk, like, 18-year-olds crammed into this elevator, (laughs) and it's stuck. It's not moving. We were there for 45 minutes. Jesus. Um, People were crying. (laughs) We kept trying to press the call button, the emergency call button, and nothing happened. We used the um the uh guard his phone to call the front desk and try and tell them what was going on and they hung up on us oh my god and he's just laughing hysterically this entire time right and uh what we ended up doing was prying open the doors of the elevator and then taking a look at this array of latches that looked to my memory, a lot like, you know, when Harry Potter goes to the Gringotts vault and there's, like, all the hooks and latches and everything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it looked like that. It was, like, all kinds of stuff. So finally, I reach in and I lift up a latch <laughs> and I'm able to pull a second set of doors open. And we are stuck halfway between two floors. So um, the, like, top half of the elevator is uh like just wall and then the bottom part of the door there's a gap and it's about i don't know maybe three feet off the floor so we all jump out through the gap hoping that the elevator doesn't decide to move uh while we're jumping out because we would get crushed to (laughs) death uh and then we spent the rest of the evening in the lobby drinking and uh singing songs and stuff but, oh, my God, every time I get in an elevator, I think, 
I hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> you could you can sue Birthright for for traumatizing you in this way. Oh my god, it was buck wild. Anyways, completely unrelated to the um a discussion of the occupation, <laughs> perhaps relevant to a discussion of uh, Birthright's willingness to put us in a hotel that was incredibly shitty. <laughs> um. Is there anything you want to call out or plug? Do you have a Twitter or an Instagram that you want people to follow or touch base with you on? Nope, I'm really boring. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Seth. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah.